Hey everybody, it's Michael here, and you're listening to the Good E-Reader Radio Show. to the Goody Reader Radio Show. It's December 27th, 2013. Holidays have come and gone, and we're gearing up for the new year. And just to give you some site news, Goody Reader will be at the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas. Uh, we'll be there for the first three days of the, you know, the annual gathering of pretty well the largest tech event in North America. And we're actually going to be there a day early for all the press conferences. So we're going to bring you some exclusive scoops from Press Row. And Samsung, LG, and a number of major companies will be in attendance. And we'll see what they got for us before they actually hit the showroom floor on the first day. And roughly about a week later, we're going to be in New York for the Digital Book World Conference. If you're a regular listener of the show, Jeremy Greenfield of Digital Book World often joins us every Monday. And 
either it's going to be big. You know, there's a lot of sessions, children's books, e-textbooks, e-books, digital publishing, big data. It's going to be cool. So if you're in a publishing industry, if you're into e-books, if you're into the consumer electronic technology aspect of it, who's who of the industry is going to be there. So we're very excited. The big news of the day. A lot of people are up in arms about a possible Amazon decrease in Kindle Direct Publishing royalties. Now, this is a very it's, it's a very interesting subject. Uh, right now, 70% Amazon pays indie authors royalties. And we've saw I think roughly about 50 authors sell over 100,000 ebooks in 2013. It amounts to a lot of money. If you look at it, major publishers only pay about 12.5% to the author. So if you're an author, you belong to Simon Schuster, Little Brown, or, you know, a lot of their, uh, you know, sort of sub-projects. You know, if you're into young adults, generally you're on the young adult press aspect of it. 12.5% is generally what the industry pays. They're thinking about bringing it down. 30%. Now, if you look at, you know, Amazon India and other markets that have launched Kindle Direct Publishing in 2013, Amazon only pays them 30%. And this was something that they that did not garner a lot of headlines at first. You know, you look at, you know, India, a huge market, you self-publish under Kindle Direct Publishing, you're not making 70%, you're only making 30%. And so it looks like Amazon has sort of opened up new markets and paid them a lower amount of money to see if anybody would be up in arms for one or how many people would continue to publish ebooks with them. Amazon really doesn't have a lot of competition at this point. You look at Barnes & Noble, they're basically a sinking ship at this point. Their Nook Press self-publishing platform has not really garnered a lot of traction. If you listen to our prediction show that we did on Monday of this week, we spoke to Mercy Pilkington, and she drew a very interesting conclusion on the synergy or lack thereof between Nook Press and the Barnes & Noble traditional retail chain. As it stands right now, Barnes & Noble is not stocking their stores with self-published indie titles from the Nook Press platform. And I think that they're missing a golden opportunity. And this actually might be one of the aspects that is the final nail in the coffin for Barnes & Noble. A huge bookstore, a, self, a growing self-publishing platform. I think it would grow even more if authors could say, look, you know, we can get our books in a store. Sure, you could do Amazon CreateSpace and Inso Publishing with CreateSpace. If you don't know a lot about it, let me just give you the rundown of CreateSpace. It's basically a self-publishing platform. When people order your book, Amazon will actually physically print the tangible copy of the book. When you publish with CreateSpace, you actually get thrown into the Ingram catalog. Ingram is one of the largest distributors of books in the world. A lot of book uh, companies, um, both small and large, will get the Ingram catalog and then they'll say, you know, they'll pick and choose what they want for the store. Ingram puts a priority, of course, on, you know, works by James Patterson and uh, Lisa Gardner, Fern Michaels, uh, Tom Clancy, uh, things like that. Lee Child, sort of the perennial bestsellers, um, including Stephen King and things like that. 
a lot of indie publishers or indie authors can find themselves sort of lost in the shuffle. Whereas if Barnes and Noble offered more or less like a create space type service that would allow people to print the books or maybe even if they partnered with ingram and took advantage of ingram lightning source which we actually saw at book expo america of last year uh, lightning source is basically a way that you could actually self-publish with ingram and actually do digital copies and sort of print on demand so it's ingram's version of create space not a lot of companies are actually aware of this platform, and I think that there could be a lot of synergy between Barnes and Noble actually partnering with Ingram as opposed to partnering with Amazon for their self, you know, from from the process of taking a digital book and printing it. I don't think that Barnes and Noble at this point has even thought about the infrastructure in that, but I think that if they develop a stronger partnership with Ingram. It would allow authors to be able to get their books in Barnes & Noble bookstores. It's a golden opportunity. And the fact that Barnes & Noble has never taken advantage of this in like the three years that they've actually offered a self-publishing platform. They originally had Puppet, and it had no backing, no updates since it originally went in. And then Nook Press, similar style. They got a lot of headlines at first. They promised updates all the time. We haven't really saw any massive updates or anything at this point. It could be just Barnes & Noble is just, yeah, everyone else is offering a self-publishing platform. We have to as well. So Barnes & Noble for self-publishing is pretty well a non-factor. Uh, you really have Apple and Kobo as being the only other two companies that indie authors look at for distribution. For the most part, if you're an indie author and you're not publishing exclusively through Amazon, likely you're doing it through Smashwords, which will actually distribute you in other stores that have sub-publishing platforms. So if you publish with Smashwords, you can get thrown into Nook, Kobo, Apple, you know, even Amazon and companies like that. So it's a viable alternative. Um, in other news, Smashwords actually made new partnerships with ebook subscription sites, including Oyster and what was the other one that just launched? Uh, Scribd. So those two ebook subscription platforms, Smashwords contributed about 250,000 titles uh, in there. And so it's a boon for self-publishing authors. So when you look at the competition Amazon faces, Amazon obviously sells the most books and they have the largest market share in terms of footprint, in terms of sales and visibility and everything like that. Will they drop it down to 30 or 35%? I think so. Really, authors will have no choice if they want to sell books. They have to do it through Amazon. There's no denying that Amazon sells the most books and you have to sell your books through the platform that you know gets you the most sales. You'll still make a solid amount of money at 30% as opposed to 70%. It'll be a bit a kick in the pants, but really, give it a year. If Amazon, say, did this tomorrow, everyone would be up, up in arms. It would get headlines everywhere. There'd be a bit of a negative backlash. Fast forward a year from now, no one will be talking about it. Just like no one's talking about, you know, the the lower revenue that they're off that they're offering for customers saint india or for china or other new markets that amazon's opened up in 2013 so a lot of big people have weighed into this and the radio show link on our website at goodyreader.com we're actually going to link to a few uh you know 
stories that people have written, such as uh, Hugh Howie that did the Wool Saga. Uh, he weighed in on it, as well as other notable uh, industry journalists. So we'll link to that so you can get a sense on other people's opinions on this very subject. Okay, so looking at what else is sort of happening right now, it's a very exciting time. Um, Christmas has just ended, and we're looking at a number of deals still being able to be had. So let's say that you're into comic books and, and graphic novels and, and things like that. Uh, there's a lot of Boxing Day sales that are going to last almost all the way to the new year from major publishers. Uh, Dark Horse Digital is offering their number one sale, so you can get debut issues such as The Black Beetle, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Hellboy, Star Wars at 99 cents. Uh, DC is doing a 25 essential graphic novel promotion, uh, all, all new Superman, Batman Year One, Sandman, American Vampire, Why the Last Man, uh, $5.99. So traditionally they're fairly expensive. They're about $9.99 to $12.99. So at $5.99, it's uh, pr deals to be had. And Comixology is uh, offering a lot of deals on their Marvel Now titles. Uh, Image Comics and things like that are offering uh, similar deals. Obviously with the, the holidays there hasn't been a huge amount of headlines but there is a few things that I wanted to talk to you about. One of them includes big data and I talked briefly about it in my ranting and raving about Barnes & Noble about Smashwords and how Smashwords has contributed 250,000 titles to Oyster and Scribd. Now those two companies are doing some very interesting things for companies wanting to get user metrics. Uh, Oyster is uh, selling critical user data to companies about their subscribers who access books. Um, their books obviously could be read on myriad of platforms, iOS, Android, as well as uh, the website. They're going to focus on the problem of people not knowing about their books. So say you're an author, you self-published a title, really all you know is the sales and, and the royalty checks that come in. You don't know if people who buy your book, if they ever read it, how long it takes them to read it, are they skipping over uh, parts of the book are they if there's a sex scene are they lingering over it and and rereading it these are things that no one knows these ebook subscription sites are actually going to be selling us data at first to large publishing companies and, and data companies such as a uh, nielsen bookscan and things like that Amazon and Barnes & Noble has been doing this for a long time. They have analytics code in their books. And they don't share this information with anybody, but it helps them gauge what books are selling well, uh, what books people are finishing quickly, and then promoting those books to people that who visit the site. If they've purchased a mystery book before, maybe they'll get shown this mystery book through their algorithms. Very detailed, very complex. It's, it's basically all about big data. But so we've heard from Scribd and they have a treasure trove of data. The longer a mystery novel is, the more likely readers are able to jump to the end to see who done it. People are more likely to finish biographies than business titles. They speed through romances faster than religious titles and erotica fastest of all. 
Oyster data shows that readers are 25% more likely to finish books that are broken into shorter chapters. And this is uh, an inevitable consequence of people reading in short sessions uh, during the day, such as on their smartphone, iPhone, and things like that. We do know how their business methodologies work for you know, uh, authors that are contributing our works to this platform. What we don't know is, will indie authors be ever able to get this data? Uh, considering Smashwords is basically submitting books to these companies, Smashwords themselves are going to be getting this big data and these analytics, but will they share it with authors? I don't know. Not anytime soon because they basically have to code a special dashboard with these sort of metrics and statistics. And of course, user information like this is not live even though that you know oyster and script may get this information live it's not able to be displayed to the author say in real time such as say google analytics if you have a website or a blog and you log into your google analytics account you'll often get a new feature called real-time coverage which actually shows you who's on your website, what page they're on, what they're doing, how long they've been there. Uh, if you have an app, it'll tell you similar uh, stuff. But ebook analytics is quite different and you don't get real-time coverage. For instance, if you're reading a book and you're not connected to Wi-Fi for a week, no one's getting that data until you connect up to Wi-Fi and then that data is being synced. Uh, that goes the same with like phones and tablets and especially e-readers. So. I really hope that authors will get this data because it'll, you know, based on the trends, it'll say, you know, what we know so far, you know, people, if a mystery book is long, people won't finish it or they'll skip to the end. So that if you're into the mystery type of uh, genre right now, you want to write shorter ones. If you're writing biographies, well, you have to make them interesting and compelling or people may not, you know, read it. Same with erotica, you know, people blaze through that stuff but do linger in the sex scenes. So that's why you're seeing a lot of explicit romance, a la Fifty Shades of Grey, and every single Maya Banks book ever. It's invaluable. Uh, first of all, this clues you into the trends of the time. And if you start to get real-time coverage for things like that, it really will sort of help authors that are maybe just starting out or learning to broaden out on people's reading habits. And if you're an author that's written two or three books and sold modestly okay, maybe a few thousand copies here and there, it'll help you sort of know the demographics of who's reading that sort of in your genre of books and how their reading habits are so you can tailor maybe your next book to statistics and to people's you know reading habits it's not a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow but hey when it comes to data and if it can be presented in a very intuitive way to authors it'll really help them I talked a little bit about comics and bestsellers and things like that right now. Image Comics is partnering with Dropbox to allow customers to download DRM-free comics and have them in their Dropbox account accessible on any platform. I mean, Dropbox is pretty well built into everything from e-ink-based readers to tablets to phones to every single device under the sun, including some TVs. I think this is a cool move on Dim on Image's part because 
if you look at sort of the manga and graphic novel and comics industry right now, uh, it's dominated by comicsology, and all comicsology's comics are stored in a cloud. You have local versions that get synced to your device, but you're never able to access it, so you can't copy them from your tablet to your PC, and they're stored in a cloud. This creates a lot of problems, especially if you're dealing with cloud-based services and for whatever reason the business shuts down, you actually lose everything that you've ever purchased up until that point. That sucks for your average consumer, but when you actually purchase, you know, a comic book or a graphic novel or even an ebook, you don't technically own it. You're merely licensing it from the company that you're buying it from. So there's really no true ownership with digital content. It's just long-term licenses. And that's why, you know, if your account gets suspended, you lose everything because it's arbitrarily decided from whatever company that you're dealing with. Amazon's gotten a lot of negative headlines for people that who have purchased a lot of content, had their accounts suspended, they basically lose everything. So I, I do dig this of image comic books and hopefully it'll continue to be a trend where comic companies will actually allow customers to download their comics that they have legitimately purchased and they have some sort of semblance of ownership because that file is on a Dropbox account and then can be downloaded to whatever device you want, backed up on a DVD, backed up on a CD, mini cassette, uh, or maybe a USB drive or I don't know done over Morse code. I don't know. In any case, I hope this is a trend that, that will continue uh, over time. So <laughs> the final thing I want to talk about is in continuing the trend of the show, which is really kind of focused on indie authors and things like that. We, Mercy and myself actually got clued into a few stories at um, the behest of some of our readers. And when it comes to romance and erotica, it's basically sex sells. Now, we've had pirates. We've had, you know, love triangles. We've had S&M. We've pretty well had every type of thing, uh, you know, under the sun, including werewolves and vampires. But, guys, Bigfoot is here. Bigfoot, the stuff of legends and, and Squatch Hunters everywhere. So... Bigfoot is the star of the pseudo-rape tales by author Virginia Wade. And Amazon is non-pleased. Uh, basically, these books are finding their way in front of juvenile consumers. You're seeing a lot of, you know, uh, I think she has like 10 books starring Bigfoot. And it's about like these sorority girls or a bunch of girls in like the, the forest and they're all like, wow, Bigfoot's really hung. I like that. And then they end up like, you know, Bigfoot ends up like raping a bunch of women and it's, you know, it's pseudo, right? Like it's, it's not meant to be like a serious thing like uh, flowers in the attic or anything like that. So, <laughs> so aside from Bigfoot, we're actually seeing other stories about gargoyles, aliens, and robots as being a huge growth avenue for erotica. It's fairly creepy. Um, and there's hardly any safety net when it comes to things like that. Because uh, when it comes to, say, gargoyles, I mean, there's a TV cartoon called Gargoyles. There is 
a lot of kids and a lot of young adults that are into robots, DIY robots, drones, you know, building their own, reading about robots. I mean, you look at pulpy sci-fi and it was like these mailbox looking robots everywhere. But now it's like all erotica, you know. So there is like a huge series about gargoyles having sex with women or aliens having sex with women or robots having sex with basically everybody. And it's fueling this crazy erotica trend right now. And it's similar to a lot of stories that we've heard maybe a few months ago where kids are finding this stuff in front of them because there really is not any safety net. And I think that that's creating a huge problem where Amazon's starting to take these titles down, uh, starting to tweak their algorithms. It's outraging the authors who are basically selling a thousand of these Uh, Bigfoot rape tales a day so there was an interview with the author and she basically bought a new house bought a new car sent the kids to private school and you know changed her life just by Bigfoot having sex with women so I guess it goes to show that sex does indeed sell and for that you've been listening to the Goody Reader Radio Show my name is Michael and everybody take care